last week. I wasn't. I was. Me. Yes. You were. I had I'll, ex- I'll explain what we're doing with these in a little bit. I just said I was. Did you guys enjoy boiling a turkey? Yeah. yeah. I did. Right? Tony was doing like cardio. He was like up and down, like just going at it. How old are you, Tony? What? How old are you? Man. You were doing it like a beast. All right. How you guys doing tonight? Good. Hey. Did you guys bring your Bible pad and pen? Yeah. Not real. You guys have a phone? Yeah. Oh. Well. Do you have a phone? So you do have a personal Bible then. I can show you how. All right. Here, here, here's a little word of advice, okay? As long as you guys aren't texting people, I'm okay with your guys' phones being out. If you guys want to take notes, there should be like a note. What the heck is up with this mic? Um, there should be like a notes tab. I do it sometimes in church. I do. Later on, I write it down in my notebook. Because I'm anal like that, I guess. All right. You guys excited for the word tonight? Yes. Yes. Good. I am too. So, this week is our last week on the, on the Spending Time with God series. Have you guys been learning a lot? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys been using it at all? Yeah. Okay. It's okay if you haven't. No big deal. My, my feelings aren't hurt. All right. So, let's see. So the last couple weeks, we talked about, first week was how important it was to spend time with God, right? Jesus went away all the time, got away to be with the Father. It says sometimes that he got up early before the Son, and he went off to be with God in a secret place. Um, second week was on the Word of God, right? It definitely was not your typical Word of God sermon. That was like more like we're gonna eat Jesus and <laughs> eat Jesus. I mean, you know, go like raptor on him. Um, no, but just viewing the Bible more as food instead of you know just a rule book or whatever, you know, and letting it change us from the inside out. Uh, last, not last week, but the week before, it was on worship, right? Adoration. Right? And how when we adore Jesus, when we look at him and behold him, we change. Right? So this week is on the Lord's Prayer. So, and I know that Pastor Scott actually taught on it, so you guys should be pros. So, see what happened was. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. All right. So, first of all, let's pray before I even say a word. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your word, and thank you that you live in your word. You are the word of God. So Jesus, I ask that tonight you would break off a piece of yourself and feed us uh, your nature tonight. God, that we would know you in a deeper and powerful way. God, that we would know how to communicate with you. 
um, by what you gave us to communicate with you by. We love you. We honor you. Holy Spirit, we just ask that your presence would rest in this room, rest upon every heart. God, I ask that no spirit but the Holy Spirit would be in this room. God, that we would uh, be fully submitted to you. God, that we would learn how to spend time with you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, if you got your Bibles or Bible app, uh, go to Matthew 6, 5. And we will dive in. So, it says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, everybody say, when you pray. When you pray. Not if. When you pray. Go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Verse 9, pray like this. Let's take a listen. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. All right. First of all, I want to point this out. Have you ever met Christians who like to pray really, really loud but have no power behind it? Yeah. They like to tout a big game, you know. Um, but I've, I've met some Christians who can, can pray really good, but they got no power behind it. That's what he's talking about here. You know, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they will ever get. So Jesus' solution is to get away in private where nobody's looking, where Instagram isn't there, <laughs> where your best friend is not there, where it's just you and Jesus. And he says to go away by yourself, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Did you catch that part? Who is in secret. It doesn't say that he might be there. He is in secret. And he says, uh, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Reward you with what? Himself. That's what he rewards you with. So then he goes on into all this, you know, talking about other religions. I hate to, I hate to do it, but Muslims, five times a day, man, they're on their face battling stuff. What are we doing? other things right they're so disciplined yet they just spout off stuff this isn't a bring me down sermon trust me all right 
But then he gives us a model of how to pray. So I just want to break this down tonight, and we're actually going to take time and spend time with God together after. So it says, Our Father in Heaven. So first of all, He's my Father and your Father. He's not just some guy high in the sky looking to put his thumb down on you. Or maybe he's just orchestrating things and nobody knows what he's doing. Right? He's, he's Father. When you think of a Father figure, you think of somebody who protects, somebody who provides, somebody who comforts, somebody who gives of himself and gives gifts. I used to love it when my dad gave me gifts. They were the most awesome thing. Right? He's somebody who consoles. He's somebody who spends time with his kids joyfully and loves every second of it. Believe it or not, your parents do like spending time with you. Just going to throw that out there. Um, a father is somebody who guides, somebody who disciplines, who teaches. Now, I know that I realize that not all of us have a great relationship with our father. Some of us have a great relationship with our father. Or some of us don't even know who our biological father is. That may be the case. But your biological dad in heaven has never changed. So he wants to have that kind of relationship with you where he delights in you. He wants to be there with you. He wants to walk life with, life with you. <laughs> the Father is someone who you run to constantly for things. And God wants to be our refuge, the one we run to constantly. In fact, he wants to be the one we feel most at home with and safest to be around. If you come to him not believing that he loves you and desires you, you'll have a hard time receiving his presence and spending time with him. I'll say that one again for all the people in the back. If you come to him not believing that he loves you and desires you, you'll have a hard time receiving his presence and spending time with him. He is for you. He loves the ever-living snot out of you. So don't let somebody else tell you that, oh, God's mad at me and, you know, God's mad at you for what you did and blah, blah, blah. No, he is love itself. He cannot change. If you have a hard time believing that he wants to guide you, then it'll be hard to accept any guidance from him. 1 John 3, 1, it says, See how great a father... Gosh, see how great a love the Father has given us that we would be called children of God and in fact, we are his kids. In fact, God's loved us so much that he sent his son to become the dirty, filthy rags that we were so that we could be one with him. That's a pretty good God. <laughs> Second one is, he's in heaven. So our Father in heaven, Right? This speaks to the reverence due unto him. What do you mean by reverence, Ryan? Well, here's a scripture for you. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Picture this. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Do you know any person who is big enough to have the earth as his footstool? 
No. Yet there's some shirts that I've seen that say, Jesus is my homeboy. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's a lot bigger than your homeboy. He will eat your homeboy. And the whole planet that he's on. All right? <laughs> it says, could you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Him being in heaven separates us from God. He is in heaven and we are on earth. His throne is in heaven and uses the earth as a footstool. God is big! Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, I just read that. I'm sorry. Uh, he's bigger than what you think he is. In fact, I, I forget the statistic, but there is universes being created every second. Like the universe is expanding. Our God is huge. Okay? And he cares about me, this little, little, little speck. He loves us. God's rule comes from above the earth. He is the rule of all rules, and he is the power who has all power. He is my father and your father. So then he goes into, uh, may your name be Katoli, or hallowed be thy name. How many of you guys have heard that one? Right? Well, the word holy means different or other than. There is absolutely no one like him. He is in a category all by himself. Jesus is saying to see him as the absolute supreme and glorious one. He is beauty itself. Every other beauty pales in comparison to his beauty because all beauty comes from him. I'm going to say that again because it's really good. Every other beauty pales in comparison to his beauty because all beauty comes from him. He is goodness itself. Every good comes from him. He is love itself. If you need love, look no further than the one who burns with jealousy for you. He will satisfy every longing you've ever had with himself. That sounds like a big God. <laughs> no God that I no God that I've heard of in religion class ever sounded like that. Right? <laughs> so may your name be kept holy. Why does it say holy is your name? His name speaks about him his nature, and his ways. So when you're saying holy is your name, you're saying there is no one remotely close to you who you are and what you do. You are holy. Little tidbit. Uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah 6 where the angels are flying around the throne saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Have you guys ever heard this? Why? And they've been singing that for 5,000 years. I literally was just singing that in my head. <laughs> they've been singing that song for 5,000 years. You know why they don't get bored singing that? Because every time they fly around the throne, they're saying holy, and they see something different about God. Every time.
time they fly around they're singing holy you are different you are other than there is no one like you on the face of the planet there is no one like you in the universe you are holy you are above you are glorious you guys look so dead tonight <laughs> it's okay So that's the God that we come in, come in to talk to. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And then he goes into, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I'll be honest, growing up in a charismatic church, have you ever heard people say, may your kingdom come? There's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease in heaven, there's no poverty in heaven. Have you ever heard that kind of stuff? Yeah. While it's true, I don't think that's what he's talking about here. Okay. <laughs> I was like, are you telling me that's not right? I was like, that is definitely what I believe. <laughs> it, it is to a point. But I think, I think, this is Ryan thinking. Ryan Theory is 101. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Theory 101. I think that we go after the stuff rather than him. So instead of saying, may your kingdom come, may your will, I want what you want, we're saying, oh, I want healing. I want, you know, all the stuff. I want blessings. I want blessings, okay? That's not what he's talking about. So, uh, Romans fourteen seventeen, Is this in the way? Probably. Okay. All right. Romans fourteen seventeen. I want you guys to see this. Okay, so... May your kingdom come, right? For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. So it means not material. Okay? But righteousness, peace, and joy. What does that say? In the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Interesting. So is God talking about an actual kingdom or a person? talking about a person right this verse tells us that the kingdom of God is inside of the Holy Spirit and Jesus said that the kingdom of God is at hand it's right here how can it be in my hand if it's a kingdom up there now I'm not saying that it's not a kingdom up there but everything in the kingdom is wrapped up in Holy Spirit. And where does Holy Spirit live? Right here. In you. It says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we're asking Holy Spirit to come to rule and reign in me. Your kingdom come here. On earth as it is in heaven. Now, Yes, we want God's kingdom to come to Poland, Ohio. We want his rule and reign to come to Poland, Ohio, right? But in Genesis 1, what did God make us out of? Dust. Dust. Earth. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but 
there are things in my life that need to go. Attitudes and mindsets that don't line up with God's word, feelings inside that aren't doing me any good, addictions that possess my heart and mind, and Holy Spirit wants to come into my mess because I am made of earth and bring his kingdom with him and get all the junk out. Is this making sense? But he won't force his way in. We have to surrender to his rule and reign in our life and give him full access to everything. Now here's an interesting point. We always say no sickness, no disease, no poverty, whatever. We don't go to, there's no lying, there's no lust, there's no, right? <laughs> no pride, no backbiting, no anger, no selfishness in heaven. But we never pray for those things to go. <laughs> right? We make these okay because we say that we're only human. Oh, it's okay. You're just human. No, you've been created anew. You've been given a brand new nature. If you don't know, I'm telling you now. You've been given a brand new nature. And Jesus has given you Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you, to give you the access to live like you were supposed to. Is this making sense? We can ask for his will to be done in our lives and also in the earth around us, and that is totally biblical both ways. His will in us is to make us into the image of Jesus and to love him with every part of us. If there is any part that doesn't look like him or is lethargic in love toward him, we need Holy Spirit to rip that thing out of us and we need to submit to his rule in us. Your kingdom come, Holy Spirit come into me. May your will be done on this earth right here may your will be done I want what you want God right here in me there was actually I think it was Le Leonard Ravenhill no 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 sorry Doc Dr. Michael Brown he said if you want revival draw a circle around yourself and say God revive everything within the circle it starts with us if we're going to reach Poland it's going to start with us if it's going to reach your high school, it's going to start with us. If it's going to reach your friends that you don't want to go to hell, it's going to start with you. It's going to start with me at my workplace. But I need Holy Spirit. <laughs> Desperately. All right. Is this good? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Give us today our daily bread. So this speaks of two things. Provision and what did we learn about two weeks ago? Or four weeks ago. I don't know. Whatever. Jesus feeding us with his self, right? So provision physically and prov him feeding us spiritually, right? Um, there's a verse in Matthew 6 where he talks about uh, the lilies of the field and how, you know, they run over... Uh, Throughout the seasons, they die and they come back and, you know, they never ask God to be clothed, yet God clothes them and we worry about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear today, right? But all the plants and everything, they're fully furnished with what they need and God takes care of them. But yet, we don't think that God is big enough to take care of us. Sometimes, Right? I know for me sometimes that is. I don't know about y'all. 
But God cares about our physical needs. You know, he gives us food, he gives us water, he gives us a house, he gives us clothes, hopefully. Um, <laughs> he gives us friends, you know, he gives us family, right? He takes care of us, right? He takes care of our physical stuff. So, but he also wants to feed us daily because he is the bread of life, right? Now, this might be a little... No, it's not a stretch at all. All right. So we talked about the importance of getting into God's Word because we need His nourishment to walk out His nature. We talked about how the Israelites had to go out every morning and get the manna that God made fresh every day for them to eat and be sustained by. This was a picture of our daily time with Jesus because He said that He is the bread of life. In John 6... He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Did your eyes perk up? Because that sounds really weird. Right? So anyone who eats this bread, he's talking about himself, will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer for the world, may live, is my flesh. Okay, keep reading. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. Anybody grossed out yet? But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Let me, let me explain. Let me, let me show you by the power of Holy Spirit how amazing this is. He is not talking about cannibalism. He's not talking about literally Jesus being in front of us and eating his flesh and his blood. Okay. He said, I will, okay, so this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. What happened to his flesh on the cross? It was broken. Right? His flesh was broken and what came out? Blood. What he's talking about here is give us so the prayer, give us our daily bread. It also says here, okay, I'll, I'll get that. So Jesus is saying, when you remember what I did on the cross, my flesh was broken. You can remember what happened to my flesh. What do we do during communion? You eat the bread. bread. And you remember what? How his body was broken, Right? Then you take the juice cup. What does that represent? His blood. So you're drinking, not literally, but you're remembering his blood being poured out. So he's not talking about cannibalism. He's talking about remembering what he did on the cross for you and for me. So every day, if you guys pray this prayer, every day, you are remembering what Jesus did on the cross for you. Is that too deep? 
what I find amazing about this scripture is he says, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true... Uh, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. How do you want Jesus to stay in you? You remember what he did for you. And not just what he did for you, but why he did it. Okay. Hope this is making sense. All right. Then, after he talks about the cross, it says, Forgive me for sinning against you, God, as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Ooh, now I'm stepping on some toes. How many of you guys have had people do some pretty dirty, rotten things to you? Okay. So I don't know about you, but when people do things to me, it's really hard to forgive. Right? This world has conditioned us to set up barriers and walls and to forgive but not forget. But that's what the world said. Jesus said to forgive and pray for those who persecute you. Now there's a word that you don't hear in church very much. Persecute does not mean <laughs> to say a nasty word to you. Who gives a rip if they say, oh, I don't like you? Okay, fine. Go away. <laughs> I don't need your approval anyway. I have my Father in heaven who loves me. <laughs> to be brutally honest. Right? But persecuting, maybe putting you in prison. Or maybe cutting off one of your limbs because you actually say that you believe in Jesus and you won't renounce him. That's persecution. We haven't seen anything like that. Right? Jesus was the ultimate example in forgiveness because the same people that punched him, mocked him, and nailed him to a cross, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Could you imagine being punched in the face, having lashes upon your back, being nailed to a cross, and being called a liar and Jesus saying Father forgive them if it were me it would have been these guys aren't changing I need to get them off this cross it's not working I've healed their sick I've raised their dead they are not changing I'm done right that's how most of us would be right sorry I'm just passionate <laughs> Right? That's how most of us are. But Jesus, <laughs> he was able to look at them and completely forgive them. So as we pray this, we can draw on his strength to forgive others for what they have done to us. Now I will say this, it does say in the Bible that if you don't forgive your brother, then God will not hear you. I didn't say it, he did. So when we're wronged by somebody, we need his grace to forgive us and help us to forgive others. All right. We also ask for forgiveness here. If we say, or if we have any sin that needs to be confessed to Jesus, he already knows it already, so there's no hiding it. 
He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There is no sin that he can't cover. So get it out of your head that your sin is way too much and that God doesn't want to take care of it. He does. He stepped into it. He knows it. Yes. Yes. All right. So last one. Lead me, lead me away from temptation and deliver me from evil. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. How many of you guys feel like sometimes temptation is more than you can stand and you give in every single time? If you don't have your hand up, you are straight up lying. It's all good. It says here, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. So if it is more than you can stand, then you are not going to him. You're not going to him. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God is faithful to bring through the temptation, bring you through the temptation victorious. He wants to be the one you turn to when you face temptations, and when you do, he comes to rescue and save you as you keep your attention on him. Um... There's a quote by Eric Gilmore where he says, if you want to walk away from sin, grab Jesus' hand because he's never walking towards your sin. Does that make sense? So Zach, come here. Say, let's say banana, stand up real quick. So say, say your sin. It's okay. It's all good. I'm Jesus, Okay you really want to give in to sin. You can stay there or you can grab my hand and I'm walking this way anyway. So you're not even close. You're not even close to where that sin is anymore. Does that make sense? It's okay. Does that make sense? He will, he will always be there to lead you out of temptation <laughs> he will always be there to lead you out of temptation every single time. Every single time. All right, so what time is it? 8.24. All right. So what I want to do is these last couple weeks, we've spent time with God, right? Or we've spent time learning how to spend time with God. So what I'm going to do is I am going to walk you through what this looks like. Do you guys still struggle in your alone time with God? It's okay. <laughs> I did for a long time. Okay? This is your guide. Okay? Count this as a gift. This is my Christmas gift to you. No, I'm just playing. Um, so, I'm going to do this. We're going to do this together. But I'm going to help you in this. This, this is the altar call. Because I didn't do a series just to say, spend time with God, and then all of a sudden it just drop off. Like, what would happen to our youth group if we actually spent time with God every day? Do you think you would change? <laughs> yeah. Do you think your school would change and your friends would change? Yeah. Either that or they would disown you because you're so different. And that's okay. It's okay to be different. 
Yeah, right? Me too. Um, so, Garrett, there is a playlist on there called December 1st whatever. So, uh, play the one before it. We're, we're going we're gonna to take time and worship real quick again, okay? But I don't want you to just sit there and look at the ceiling and just be... Like we are spending time with God. This is the entryway into spending time with God. 